Uh, noticed over the last few weeks, I've uh, had uh, trials and difficulties, uh, tribulations on my heart a lot. I've got a message today uh, called The Character of God and the Trials of His People. The Character of God and the Trials of His People. And I really kind of struggled with this because I'd preached uh, uh, out of uh, Romans last week uh, uh, some things about our trials and how we handle them. And uh, uh, then God led me to this passage this week. And I really kind of struggle. Uh, but in the end, I, of course, came back to it because uh, I figure God thinks we need this. And obviously, He knows what uh, He's talking about. That tells me that either, number one, a lot of you are experiencing trials right now. Or number two, uh, that we've got some pretty heavy trials coming our way. Or number three, both of those may be true. Both of those may be true. Uh, but I can assure you today, I don't have to look far in the Word of God to find something about trials and troubles and difficulties. It's all over the Scripture. And so today we're going to look at this great passage in James chapter 1 and verse 5, the character of God and the trials of His people. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberty, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Our passage today brings the truth of God's character together with the truth of the trials of his people. Throughout history, men have struggled to bring these two together, all the way back to possibly the oldest book in the Bible, which is the book of Job, which dealt with the issue of the character of God and the trials of his people. So all the way back to Job, God was dealing with this and uh, helping men to try to understand how that God could be a loving God and a, and a caring God, and yet still we would go through times of trial and suffering. Now, James doesn't take any time at all. He just jumps right in with both feet. You'll see that in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. When I read this passage, it always makes me wince a little. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And the reason I, I wince is because it, it kind of makes me say ouch a little because I have to confess to you, a lot of times trials are not something that make me feel joyful. In fact, joyful is the exact opposite that I usually feel when I'm going through a time of trial and suffering. And James didn't give us a bit of wiggle room here. He just said right up front, count it all joy. Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials. You know, the psalmist at least gave us a little glimmer of hope in Psalm 30 and 5 when he said his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, the psalmist said, you know, you may weep for a night. You may struggle with this for a while. You may weep for a night, but joy comes in the morning. 
We look at a cloud and we see the cloud, but you know, there's a silver lining. We think about the darkness, but there's just a, a glimmer of light piercing through. But that's not what James said. James said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's tough to do. It's tough to do consistently. I suggest to you this morning that it would be impossible for us to do if it were not for our understanding of the character of God, which is why that James so quickly moves to bring our trials together with the character and nature of God so that he uses this time of trial to reveal to us just exactly who and what God is to us and how he behaves to us, what his character is, what kind of God it is that we serve. And we're going to see this in a couple of ways this morning. First of all, uh, we see him as the God who gives. Our God is a giving God. Can you say amen to that? Our God is a giving God. It was a weak amen, but you kind of said it. Some of you nodded your head. I guess you said amen on the inside. Maybe, I could, maybe that was somebody from home I heard say that. Our God is a giving God. That's the very first thing that he says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives. God is a giving God. And what James presupposes that when it comes to trials, we're going to be talking to God. Uh, I can't imagine as God's people going through a time of difficulty or a time of adversity when we don't call upon the name of the Lord and know then that God is there to hear us and to respond when we do. We go to God. Where else would we go? I love what Simon Peter when said to Jesus when after the crowds had all gone away and he looked at the apostles and he said, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's no one for us to go to, Lord, but to you. Who else would we go to with our trials and difficulties? You find uh, your neighbors, you know, they're not much interested a lot of times. Even your family, even your spouse might say, you know, I don't want to hear it. But God does. If any man is going through a time of trial, then James says, let him ask of God. And God listens. God listens. I heard a little story last week about a man who had lost his hearing. And after many, many years, he finally consented to go and get fitted for a hearing aid. And they had one of those new models that was very discreet. It restored much of his hearing. And when he went back to the doctor for his checkup, the doctor said, I bet your family must love this. And the man said, I hadn't told them. He said, I just sit around and listen to what they say. He said, I've changed my will three times. I... <laughs> listen, God hears what we want him to hear. We can rest assured of that. When we cry out to God, God hears us. But God also hears a lot of things we really don't want him to hear. That's why Jesus said we'll give an account for every idle word that we speak. Every idle word. God hears what we want him to hear, but God also hears what we don't want him to hear. He hears what we don't even say because he hears what we think. And yet in spite of the fact that he hears us when we cry, he hears what we don't want him to hear. He hears what we think and how we feel. Yet still when we cry out to God, it's amazing. We find that he is a giving God. He gives to us. 
And James tells us some things about then our giving God by the use of three phrases in this passage. First of all, God gives to all. He gives to all men. Now this describes the very general way that God gives. Jesus said that God makes his son to shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God created the world. He gives life to every single person that is on it. He gives us every single day uh, the opportunity then to live and enjoy that life. And he gives that to so many people who don't even believe in him and do not acknowledge him. But the fact that men do not believe in him or do not acknowledge God does not mean they're living independently of God. They're walking around on God's earth. They're drinking God's water. They're breathing God's air with lungs that God gave them to breathe breathe with. Every person then is a recipient of the great blessings of God and the fact that God is a giving God. He gives then uh, to all of us generally. This to all men. He gives to all men, James says. But not only does God give generally, but he also gives generously. We see that in the fact that God gives liberally, that God gives to all men liberally. Now, God is not a stingy, miserly God meeting out blessing and doting out his favors only if we are in his good graces or or somehow, you know, we have uh, done the right kind of rituals or the right kind of things and therefore God is going to give us his blessings. No, God does not mete out blessing and dole out his favors to those who please him. God is generous. We can see that in that general way that God gives to all men. And he doesn't just give to all men. He gives generally, uh, generously to all men. Think about it. Food could just be nutritious. I've often wondered, you know, what cows and sheep, for example, see in grass. I've chewed on a little grass in my time and it just didn't do much for me at all. Uh, but they seem to enjoy it. And, but I have to think, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, cows eat grass. They have to. They know that's what they do. But I don't think they enjoy it. We, on the other hand, are given not just food that is nutritious, but food that's tasty. Especially those marvelous things like blackberry cobbler and homemade ice cream and uh, peas and something. I mean, God could have just made food nutritious. So that all we did was just eat it and it met our needs. But instead, he gave us taste buds. He gave us the opportunity then to enjoy and to recognize things. It's a wonderful thing that God has given to all of humanity. We could just express our thoughts. We could communicate and then give our thoughts and put them to word. But God made it so that we not only were able to communicate our thoughts, but we could set them to music. Aren't you glad he did? We could have probably done without mountains. God could have made the whole earth just flat, arable farmland, no mountains. I know we could do without the ocean because Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1 says that in the new earth, there's not going to be any sea. was no more sea. But aren't you glad though we could do without mountains and though we could do without the ocean, aren't you glad God gave us both? Isn't it wonderful to be able to go down to the ocean and go to the beach? Isn't it wonderful to be able to go out to the mountains and enjoy their majesty and their splendor? God could have just made the sun set and rise. But instead, he paints a beautiful landscape mural for us every single evening and every morning. 
I'm not sure what function the stars in the star far-flung galaxies have in God's creative purpose except for what the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God. But I know one thing, when I walk out at night and look up, I'm glad I don't see just a vast empty blankness. Aren't you glad there's stars in the sky? And when we look at them and we realize that they're so, so far away, we say, praise you, God. Thank you, God. You see, God, you understand what I'm saying? God is, is not just a giving God. God is a generous God. God gives liberally, liberally. And he does that to all men. Everybody walks around on the same earth and sees the same thing. But then there are also his personal gifts to us as his children. You see, he could have saved us and took us straight to heaven. Just boom. Said, Lord, I believe in that to be it. Go on to heaven. But instead, he left us here so that we could live and serve and have children and grandchildren. And aren't they wonderful? He gave us then the opportunity to serve him and be involved in his kingdom work. God could do everything that he does without us, but he chooses to involve us. What a blessing it is. God, you see, gives to us when he gives us the opportunity to serve us, serve him constantly. And then live our life with the assurance of heaven. So God gives, James says, to all men. He gives to all men liberally. And then he gives without reproach. God gives graciously. He gives generally. He gives generously. And he gives graciously. We understand how important that is because we know that a whole, whole bunch of our trials are self-inflicted. Uh, don't look at me that way. We've all made our own mess a time or two, hadn't we? I mean, we have. We have. We've made a big mess. And didn't have anybody to blame for it ourselves. Even when we get on up, on, on up in years and, and we begin to experience a lot of health issues, we'd admit, if we were honest, that some of our health issues have been because of bad lifestyle choices that we've made throughout the course of our life. And along about 50 or 60 and 70, those lifestyle choices start showing up on us. Uh, we know about that. I'm still going to eat my blackberry cobbler, but I know, I know, I know what it's all about. A lot of our trials, folk, are self-inflicted. And yet when God comes to us, and we come to Him, rather, and, and He then responds to us, He responds to us with grace and mercy. We love the story of the prodigal son, and no greater story could possibly be conceived of that would show a person suffering from his own bad choices than the story of the prodigal son. He came back to the father with, under the full awareness that he didn't deserve one thing from his dad. He wasn't planning on coming back and asking to be a son anymore. He just wanted to be a slave this make me one of your slaves because you treat your slaves better than the world had treated me. Oh, but he found the father amazingly running out to meet him with celebration and with joy. See, James says that God doesn't reproach us when we come to him in the midst of our trial. He gives generally, he gives generously, and he gives graciously. He gives to all men, he gives liberally and without reproach. That is the character of God, folk. 
And in the midst of our trials, we need to understand that is the God that we approach. That is the God that we call out to. The God who is a giving God, who gives generously, generally, and graciously. Then he goes on and tells us something else about the character of God in the midst of his people's trials. And that is that we deal with the God who intervenes. The God who intervenes. Verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. That's where he goes on then to say, If any of you lack wisdom, you ask of God. And he goes on, we'll talk about that in a moment. But he presupposes these things, uh, that we will go through trials. And that our God will get involved. All of us know that getting involved in someone else's trials especially involves a certain element of risk. Jesus told us the story of the Good Samaritan and how that this man had fallen among thieves and one person walked by and didn't look. He didn't get involved. Another person walked by and didn't look. He didn't get involved. He saw him. He didn't have anything to do with him. It was a Samaritan then who came in and he assumed uh, the cost because intervening has a cost. And he paid the price. He got involved. Aren't you glad that God did not just look at us in our sin, but he was willing to get involved. He didn't stay there behind the battlements of heaven and and be isolated and said, no, just going to leave him alone. No, God loved us and he came to where we were. And by the way, let's look at what it did to Jesus Christ to intervene for our redemption. Intervention is costly and it's scary. We know we can't help everybody. We can't risk our lives for everybody. I was reminded this week as I was looking at this message of the young airman uh, who was killed on, uh, high, on, on Broadway last year, early last spring. He walked in on a robbery and he tried to stop it and they shot him dead. 23 years old. Right here in North Little Rock. Intervention, you see, getting involved can be dangerous. We know that. But God comes to us. He gets involved in our situation. And it tells us a lot about the character of God. That he sees where we are and he gets involved. But now let's understand something. When God is involved, James is wanting us to notice when God is involved, he cares more about our character than he does about our situation. And we can see that as we go through this passage. And it's essential that we see that if we're ever going to be able to count it all joy. There are several things then that we put together that show this, how God is intervening in the midst of our trials. Number one, trials are permitted to come. James did not say if by some wild imagination or stretch of your imagination, if you can imagine such a thing, if maybe, if perhaps, if you fall into some kind of trial. No. When? When? Trials are permitted to come. If God were not interested in our character, there'd be no need for trials. God often sees weaknesses in our character that we're unaware of. That's what happened to Simon Peter when Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. Simon Peter had a weakness in his character, a flaw that he wasn't aware of. 
And it was a great danger to him. And sometimes then we are allowed to go through trials because we have a weakness that we're not aware of. God knows it. God, you see, is interested in our character. Therefore, trials come. Also then, not only are trials permitted, but also wisdom is granted. Wisdom is granted. And remember, when we're asking for wisdom, uh, we're not just asking the why question. God, why has this happened to me? Uh, God, uh, why have you let this happen? Uh, God, God, what has happened here? Why, why am I having to go through this? Now, we're not dealing with the why issues. When we're asking for wisdom, we're asking God, God, what do you want me to do? How do I get through this? And the good news is that God has a way for us to get through it. That's what asking for wisdom is all about. So that we'd know what to do in the midst of our trials. One of the most often misquoted and misapplied passages of Scripture in the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Bible says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, the way that is so often misquoted and misapplied is when it is stated like this. God won't let more come on you than you're able to bear. Now, folk, that's not what this passage says. That's not what it's teaching us. The fact is that, number one, the temptations that come to us are common to man. It makes us feel like sometimes when a testing comes to me, well, nobody else is having to go through this, and that makes us kind of feel a little bit picked on. And so God tells you, no, what happens to you is common to man. Our experiences are common to all of humanity. They're not anything new. What is happening to you has happened to a lot of other people over the years. That doesn't give us a lot of comfort, but it's the truth. The temptations and testings and trials that come to us are common to humanity. And now here's the point. That when those things come to us, God makes a way of escape. And it is because God makes a way of escape that we can say that, no, God doesn't let more come on to us and we can bear. Why? Because God makes a way for us to bear them. Amen. That's how that thing works. Trials are permitted then. Wisdom is granted. And what does wisdom do? It gives us understanding of how to deal with this, how to bear it, how to respond. And oh, I tell you, folk, in our world today, wisdom is greatly, greatly needed. We all need to know what to do. We need God's leadership to help us. God can get you out of whatever mess that we've got into, no matter what it is. And I don't know what may be going on in your life, just like you don't know what may be going on in mine. I don't know what trials you're having today. I don't know what trials are, are facing all the people who are watching from home. But I know this. God knows and God has a way out. God will help you get through it. God will show you that way. If you lack wisdom, ask our giving God and our intervening God because that's his character and nature. Trials are permitted. Wisdom is granted. And then lastly, faith is required. Verse 6, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. 
Do we believe God or do we doubt God? Do we trust God or do we not? Do we accept His Word or do we reject His Word? Will we follow His leadership or will we resist Him and rebel against Him? See, it's possible for us to come to God in the midst of our trials and, 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 and almost accuse Him. Come to Him in a rejecting kind of way. But James tells us to come to God in faith. What that means for us in a practical way is that no matter what your trial is, listen, God is as trustworthy in the midst of your trial as he was before your trial came. God is still trustworthy today just like he was yesterday, just like he was last year or the year before that. It's funny to me that we can trust God for our eternal destiny, but somehow we struggle sometimes to trust God with our day-to-day -day life. <laughs> As if the God who can get us to heaven can't take care of whatever mess we've got here. I want you to know God is trustworthy. God is able. God is faithful. And you can depend on Him with the issues of your life just like you can depend on Him for your eternal destiny. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. Don't be double-minded. Don't be coming to God, well, God, if you show me something good, I might believe in you, but otherwise, you know, I'll just pick it up and take it on my own. No, don't, uh -uh. don't be that double-minded person. Because James tells us unless we approach God with faith, knowing his character, because his character, the character of God, that God is a giving God, and that God cares, God is intervening in our life. As we approach God then on the basis of His character, we approach Him with faith. God, I'm going to trust you. Remember, we talked about the book of Job and one of my favorite passages, one of my favorite quotes from Job in the midst of his calamities was when Job said, though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If God kills me, Job said, with my dying breath, I'll say, God, I'm trusting you. What else would we say? What else would we say? So we come to God in faith. Why? Because God allows trials. He permits trials. But as he permits trials, he also gives wisdom. And therefore, we can come to him in faith. The hymn writer Andre Crouch probably said it best in a song I love to sing. And uh, since I love to sing it, I'm going to. Uh, it goes like this. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. Love the last verse. So I thank God for the mountains, and I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I wouldn't know that he could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. If you know the chorus, sing it with me. 
Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. In the midst of our trials, God calls us to consider his character. Our God is a giving God. And our God is an intervening God. And when he intervenes, he intervenes because he's concerned about our character, about who we are and what we are, how we live. There's a lot of things in this life, folks, we can do without. You might have thought they were essential, but we've learned (laughs) you can do without them. They're not really, not near as big a deal to us as we thought. You can do without lots of stuff. And if you doubt that, just go find your great-grandma and talk to her a few minutes. She'll tell you. Or your great-grandpa. We can do without a lot of stuff. But there's one thing, folk, we've got to have if we're going to make it through this life. We've got to have faith. And if trials are in our life... Or if trials are coming, and they are, then we need good faith. We need strong faith. We need healthy faith. And that faith is based on our knowledge of who God is and how He is all active and involved in our life. You need faith. You've got to have faith. And our trials give us that opportunity to come to God, the God we know, the God who gives, the God who's working on our behalf. And we come to Him believing Him, trusting Him. And that's what we need.